Welcome to Youth Ministry Small Church, a podcast with the most obvious mission statement in iTunes. We're here to help equip youth workers and small churches to do ministry that makes the big churches jealous. So there's a lot of moving parts in any youth program, and small church youth ministries are no different. We need to keep in contact with parents, even if there's only a few parents. And we need to keep in contact with youth, even if there's only a few youth. And if we're smart, we'll keep the rest of the church informed about what the youth group is doing so that they know you're succeeding too. That'll pay off in lots of ways. This episode is the first episode in a new series on the systems most youth groups need. There are a few systems that almost all youth groups need, including a system for, say, abuse prevention. All of us need a system for that. This week, our first system is a communication system. You need a strategy in your youth program for how to communicate with the people connected to your ministry. To get us started this week, here are a few concrete tips. Most youth parents want regular emails. I do weekly emails, and my parents seem to appreciate that. However, lots of churches feel like weekly is way too many. Whatever you do, uh, figure out what your church wants and what seems to make sense in your context, and then adults will respond well to email. Another tip, most youth programs also benefit from getting their info in the church newsletter or the bulletin or whatever you guys do. Whatever your church does, you want your events in there, not only because it helps youth families remember the event, but also because it reminds the rest of the church that you exist and that you're doing well and you're active. It's an easy way to keep the rest of the church happy and, depending on your church's culture, maybe to keep them off of your back. And of course, we can't forget the importance of concrete face-to-face communication. This is another important method of communication that almost all youth groups need. Uh, Face-to-face communication will keep you grounded in the concrete needs of people. Get coffee or dinner with parents regularly. Have youth group parent meetings. Hearing periodically from parents in a real conversation is crazy valuable. I have quarterly meetings with parents... Or Well, I I try to have quarterly meetings with parents, and I hear from them about all sorts of things that I wouldn't have learned about otherwise, and that helps us keep the youth group on track. Remember, part of communication is hearing back. Also, another life tip, make the most out of your church's website. Keep it updated. It is certainly what outsiders look at first, and you haven't had a visitor to your church in the last five years who came without looking at the website first. But also... But also, once parents learn that they can trust your church to keep the website updated, they'll turn their first too. You know, like you do for every institution that you interact with. So, you can find more concrete tips on our website under Resources Than Communication. You'll also find more discussions about youth group communications in our Youth Ministry Small Church Facebook group. You'll find a link to that in our show notes if you're not already a member, and our new community of small church youth workers seems to be growing nicely. Check in and get advice from youth workers who are um, doing good work in similar contexts, having the uh, input of other people who are trying to do a job similar to yours is, uh, is really, really helpful. As for our interview today, Seth Muse runs one of the best podcasts on Christian ministry. It's called The Seminary of Hard Knocks. While Seth has years of experience in church work, especially youth ministry, actually, his podcasts focus on church communications. I have learned 
a ton from him. And the church I'm working at is markedly better because of Seth Muse's um, influence in his podcast. So, we invited Seth today to help youth workers and small churches figure out how to think about youth ministry. He gives some concrete tips today, but more than anything, he helps us to consider how to think about youth group communications. Um, there's lots of concrete tips. Um, there's lots of concrete pieces of software and platforms that can help you communicate more effectively. All that stuff's true. We've given you some already in this episode. There's more on our website. You can find more on Facebook or by listening to Seth's podcast. But what he does today is really just helps you think through how to think about communications in your youth group and how that fits into your church. Before we get to Seth, we're going to hear from our sponsor, Inalienable. It's important to me to give my youth a valuable mission experience, one that makes a real difference. That's why every year I partner with a nonprofit called Inalienable that's doing fantastic work with the migrant community in Baja, California. Baja 2018 is an opportunity for your students to see real injustice and be part of the solution. In the past, I've struggled with short-term mission trips that don't truly change lives and seem to teach young people that service is all about themselves. But that never happens with Inalienable. Because Inalienable has real relationships with the community, my youth develop real relationships with the community. My youth actually do work that actually impacts other people. My youth learn the value of actually living for others. I've taken my youth group with inalienable missions for three years now, and we're going again this summer. During Baja 2018, we will implement projects that identify local assets and close the gaps that separate the migrant community from local resources. When resources become accessible, the invisible become visible. Learn more and register at www.inalienable.life and like them on Facebook. Hey, everybody. I want to introduce you to uh, Seth Muse. Seth Muse is a pretty interesting guy. He does a lot of stuff to help churches sort out some of their communication strategies and stuff. But uh, Seth, why don't I just have you introduce yourself? Sure. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, I, uh, I, was, I started in youth ministry a long time ago. Uh, I guess a long time ago, about 2000, 99, 2000. And uh, got to got to uh, be a youth pastor during all the good old-fashioned worship wars and uh, got to be one of the ones to bring bands into your youth group for the first time and have all the older people hate you for it. And I got to do all that. So um, I was through youth ministry about 17 years and just recently, um, well, not too recently, jumped over into communications. And uh, it's always been a passion of mine, been kind of an audio-visual media guy, video guy, kind of whatever was needed along the way and then found my way into social media and communications and just the branding and marketing and all the things that I love now. And so I finally made that, uh, that clean break with youth ministry. And now that's what I do is communications. I'm a communication director at Hope Fellowship in Frisco and McKinney here in the DFW area. And, um, I love it. I love my church. I love everything I get to do and teaching others about the things that I've learned is one of my greatest passions. So I'm really excited to be here to talk about communications, especially on a small church setting, because I remember that very vividly, being that guy with eight to 10 kids, you know, and, you know, what are we going to do tonight? You know, so I've I've been that guy, I've been there. And so I'm really happy to be here and talk. Well, well, I'm glad to, I'm glad to have you here. I've really enjoyed your podcast. Um, Let's, uh, let's talk about a strategy for um, a small church youth program. What should a church, what should a youth leader in a, you know, a small church, like less than a hundred people, 
Uh, how should a youth group like that approach a communication strategy? Yeah, and I think a lot of people ask this question because they think that some of the circumstance is really going to change that. And it will change some of your tactics for sure, but I don't think it changes the principles of actually what is behind the strategy. Okay. And so I'm going to give you some of those principles that are kind of universal that I've noticed no matter what size church you're in to really start with. All right. Um, so I got four of them I was going to give you tonight. Uh, first, I would say always define the why behind the what. They say that at uh, Life Church a lot. And when I heard that last year, I was like, I love that. I'm keeping that. <laughs> I'm stealing that. But the why behind the what. And I think so often in youth ministry or whatever, we launch into something before we really define okay, why do I need this? Like, what, what am I going to do with this? What's the purpose behind this thing I want to start? So it's like you go, oh, I really need to start a church Instagram or a, a student ministry Instagram. Okay, why do you want to do that? What do you want to accomplish with Instagram? What is it you're trying to do? you trying to just reach new people? Or are you trying to get connected with your, or find out what's going on with your kids' lives away from the church? I mean, what is it you really want to accomplish there that would meet, be the reason why you start that? So I think any kind of communication strategy, no matter what tools or, or uh, websites or, or, or what apps or whatever it is you're going to do, always have a why for each one of those things you're using, whether it's email, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever you're doing. Why am I using this? What am I trying to do? I think that's a huge starting point, and we always want to jump right past that because it's not as shiny as the toys and the apps and the fun things. And if we don't have that why behind it, it's just honestly you can burn out or you can fail and so, so spectacularly, if you just don't know why. Okay. <clears throat> and I would say, and at least you kind of the second thing, to avoid that comparison trap. Okay. We can look at some of the other churches, the big churches that have all the stuff, and they have all the teams and the people, and we start going, okay, well, if I'm going to start Instagram, that's what it needs to look like. And that's just not us. You know, it's like, if we have our why defined, we can know, well, maybe that's not us. Maybe they have some great tools, some ideas, maybe they use some cool apps to help them get some of that look that I could I could use those. But it doesn't really mean that's what we should do exactly. I mean, if you look at Voo Church, the it's V-O-U-S. Yeah. If you ever check out their Instagram, no. my gosh, it is beautiful. Yeah. It is a beautiful Instagram that all Instagrams would envy. We're not going to be able to do that at Hope Fellowship. you know. And you're not, it's the same thing. You see Elevation, you see Life Church, you got all these great ones out there. Get ideas, yeah, but steal the principle, not the tactic, and you're going to be able to be a lot more successful when you put it in your context, so avoid that comparison trap. Okay, all right. And uh, I would also say to not forget the parents Don't forget the in parents. the strategy. All right. Yeah, I know a lot of us, you know, with youth ministry, especially when we have a small group, we think, oh, well, there's a small group and parents will find out, or they will read the bulletin, or they'll know what's going on. And, and typically, no, that's not the case. So involving parents in your strategy, how am I going to communicate well to parents, is an important part of your communication strategy. You're not just communicating with kids. And I learned this when I was a junior high pastor at a large church. I realized real quick, kids have no money. They have no ride. And their yes, I will be there means nothing yeah. unless you've got parents involved. So and always remember, parents are the ones that need the info. They need to know what's going on. And you're, and it, especially with junior high and younger kids that can't drive, it's like, man, you get the parents involved or, or, or informed and the kids will be there. They'll show up. Okay. So um, I would say always involve the parents. And then last, I would say remember that in any strategy, there's going to be a look, there's going to feel, there's a logo, there's branding, there's all that stuff that goes into your youth ministry. 
I would say make sure that your branding is in line with the church branding. And here's why. It's a big mistake and one of, and honestly one of my greatest regrets as a youth pastor is that I kind of inadvertently communicated something. Because you always communicate when you have a, a look or logo brand. I always communicate something. Okay. And what I was communicating with my ministry was, we're cool, church is not. And what I failed to realize with all of that is that I wasn't preparing kids to be part of the church. I was preparing them to go off and leave student ministry and then go, well, what do I go next? Because I'm not going to church. That's lame. We've been talking about how lame it was for six years. Uh-huh. I've seen how lame it was. You know, yeah. Our ministry is way cooler than that ministry. And so you got to be careful as you're, as you're designing and as you're branding that you stay in line with the church so it feels like your church, it looks like your church, so that that transition is a little bit easier for when they jump from high school senior to college freshman, especially if you don't have a college ministry in your church. Am I going to go off to college or if I'm staying around, you know, even when I'm a 20-something, is church for me? And I think when we, we think about our communication strategy, even the things like logos and color palette and et cetera, that communicates something to kids, and, and they pick it up really quickly and very subtly. And so we have to be very careful with those minds of what we're actually putting in them about church in general if we want to avoid that big, scary 75% number of all kids drop off from their faith you know, when they leave the church, whatever, which is actually a skewed, a skewed thing. So I think Ed Stetzer said something about it. It was like, yeah, 75% drop off after high school who were not plugged into church, but the ones that were plugged in and really active in their ministries – don't drop off like that. It's really, really high. They stay. So imagine going off to college and then, or, or staying around. You graduate from high school. Now I can't come to youth group anymore. Right. Now I got to go to a lame old church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's like we don't want them to think that. We want them to be future deacons and elders and pastors and leaders and, and rise up in our church and lead this thing. Yeah. It, and uh, that's our job to make sure they have a, have a good idea of what it is they're, they're, they're getting into from sixth grade. Man, that makes me really consider the way I've got my youth group branded. I think it uh I've been thinking about this lately. It is not branded really well in line with the rest of the church. I I think I need to give that some thought. Yeah, and I'm not saying drastically, just some callback. Uh-huh. You know, like you use your church logo in your logo or you know, use the color palette they use oh, or wow. you know, something that just ties it together so when it, they move it feels similar. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And then, of course, in the way you talk about it and what you encourage kids to do, that's a big part of your brand. Your brand is who you are when, when you're not around. Who do, who do people say you are when you're not around? That's what your brand it's, is. That's really a branding. I and mean, it's more than just the look, but those logos and stuff, they, they communicate that too. Okay. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's talk specifics. So I know you laid out some priorities. Um, so it may be difficult to move into specifics without, uh, without having a specific church in mind. Uh, is that right? Do you think? No, I think there's some things that are kind of general that we can we can look at. Okay. Uh, for for some of the specifics, like what what kind of things are you, are you thinking about? Um, should uh should parent should the youth worker send out like a weekly email? Should there be a social media strategy? Um, in a small church, can you just do everything by phone? You know, stuff like that. Yeah, I think there definitely should be a strategy, especially on social, because that's where your kids live. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're on they are plugged in twenty four seven. So it kind of makes sense to go there where they are. I mean, you, honestly, you have access to them 24-7 now. That's awesome. Uh-huh. And that so awesome. We, have to, we have to find a way to use that. I mean, if, I think, honestly, if the Apostle Paul was like, are you serious? Instagram? Sign me up. You know, it's like I can reach people across all over the world. 
And even right here in my own neighborhood, heck yes, let me have that. I think Paul would be all over that. Um, He would use that tool like crazy, I think. And I think we should too. I think we should really be active on social and and have a strategy for that. Um, let's let's just talk a few few tools. Honestly, I think the best tool for students is Instagram. I think the best tool for reaching parents is starting a Facebook group and attaching it to your your church page. Okay. Um, like if your church has a Facebook page, don't start a youth ministry page because the algorithm will just jack that up anyway. So start a Facebook group and attach it to your church page so that when people find your page and your church is at the top, they can find all the different groups and parents of your students will be one of the groups okay. and get people involved in that. Probably one of a few different groups for your church then. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would start a missions group. I would start a parents of kids group in addition to the parents of students group because uh, you're going to talk about different things because a group is a great place to drop something like, hey, guys, we're going out to eat tonight instead of going to be – Instead of doing our thing, and parents will see it. I actually use email for that, but still, you know what I'm saying. You can drop information. Uh, here's our ETA coming back from from camp. It's also a great place to drop media, videos, pictures, and not worry about them getting out and being public. You know, that's that's always the fear. Can we take photos of kids and and photos of our students and all that and video and put it out? Uh-huh. Well, if you put it on your page, it's public. Yeah. If you put it in a group, it's not. It's just for the people in the group. Okay. So. Around camp time, hey, everybody, join our group because that's where we're putting all the photos. It's a great way to launch and get people involved. Okay. So um, I would do a group. They're just they're just great for parents. And it's a great way for parents to be able to give you feedback, for you to ask questions, do a survey. I mean, there's all kinds of great things you could do in a Facebook group. And and trust me, I know you're going to have some go, I never open Facebook. Yeah, they do. They're all on it. It's the third wor- largest country in the world right now. Yeah. It's Facebook. So yeah, they're on it, and your church maybe maybe not as much, but still get the ones that are in there and start using it. I think Instagram is an awesome tool for student ministry because it's just so versatile. Um, you can tag your kids in it, and you some people use the stories feature because those disappear. Some people use the wall feature only, you know, or just the stories feature only, and it really just depends on what you want to do. Like I said, you know, if like we're more in the moment, just go crazy on stories and then use your wall for announcements. Or, you know, use the feed wall for like a big one photo, like here's what we're doing, and then use the stories as like all the other photos of that event. Um, You know, you can use Instagram for so many things. I would love it if you – I know youth groups go out to eat all the time. And so an awesome way for you to reach into your community is do a selfie with your group in the stories because you can tag the location of that restaurant and tell them how much you love them. And it's just a great way to connect with whoever's running social for that restaurant. So a lot of great tools for Instagram, getting your kids actively involved because they see social media as a mission field as well. They see it as real relationships with real people in real time. And we have to see it that way. So when we start seeing it that way, it's like, hey, I'm on mission trip right now while we're at, you know, Fuzzy's Tacos. <laughs> you know, so it's like we can we can be reaching someone here right now through social with the fact that we're here and not acting like idiots while we're in the restaurant, you know, so there, there's a lot of power in Instagram and I think it's great. I know a lot of people like Snapchat. I'm not a fan of Snapchat. Honestly, it makes me feel stupid when I use it, but it also has some dangers mm-hmm. and I'm waiting for it to kind of get better. But if Snapchat is part of your strategy, make sure you have some safeguards and some why behind it. And, uh, you know, it can, it can be very powerful too. Okay. So I am like, as a regular Instagram user, I was a little bit overwhelmed with all the different ideas you just threw out. Um, mm-hmm. But it seems like if I were, 
if any of us are trying to sort out how to use Instagram for our small church, we should do what you said in the first place, which is think through the why of what, why are we using Instagram and then figure out how to use those tools for that end. Yeah. And don't try to do everything at once. Just like go, okay, I'm going to start Instagram, but I'm just going to do the feed. Uh huh. That's okay. That's okay. Okay. Take one, one photo a day or one photo every other day. I mean, just have some kind of system, you know, where you're like, okay, here's, here's how I'm, and then build on it. And then you'll get to, you'll get to the point where you're doing all of it. Okay. As, as, as you kind of think through what could I do with these different parts now, now that I've got this feed thing down and I'm pretty consistent, what can I do with stories or what can I do with live or what can I do with the direct messages that are in there? I mean, there's a lot of tools with it and uh, it's just a great, it's a great versatile tool. Um, let's talk about how to send out like regular announcements for the, uh, for parents. Like would, do you do, would you do email if you were leading a small church right now? Small church. Absolutely. All the things that we talk about with social media are great, but you will have no better connection than you would with email. None. It's hands down. Uh, the last stat I saw, I forget where I saw it, man. I hate, I hate giving stats when I can't, can't cite them, but, um, I read that combined Facebook and Instagram's reach. And as far as like getting information out there and having people read it and understand it, your, your reach with email is about three times better than all of that combined. Um, email is just good, but you have to do it right. The thing with email is you got to get people to read it. And, you know, with, with social, they might be scrolling and see it, but that's really Facebook or Instagram deciding that you're going to see it. it. Email comes directly to the inbox and their phone. It's direct to their phone. And if you get into the texting kind of stuff where you get one of those uh, uh, group texting kind of apps like a like GroupMe or uh, Remind is the one that teachers use a lot. Um, those are both great apps that you can do group text. You can do it with iMessage too if you wanted to. But uh, group texting, anything you're doing, you're giving a message straight to someone's phone is power. That is a powerful, powerful tool. And so you have to make sure you're doing it right. Like if you're going to email with a newsletter like with – uh, MailChimp, if you're using something like MailChimp or Constant Contact or whatever you have at your church, Fellowship One or whatever database, I don't know, all those different things. Um, there's some tactics and some and some, uh, some some best practices for getting those read. And I think it starts with subject line being good, make you want to open the email. But it also is, once I open that email, is it a bunch of images? It takes forever to load. Um, is, it, is it as long as my arm? You know, I'm not going to read that. Um, is it, is it mobile responsive? So I open it cause I'm going to open it on my phone. Like 90% of your traffic is going to be on your phone. So when I open it on my phone, does it resize the text so I can read it? Or is it still teeny tiny? Cause it didn't resize it correctly. I'm not reading that. So there's a lot of things like that. You got to think about, which is why I recommend using something like MailChimp and not using Gmail or Outlook because MailChimp's free for the first 500 and most small churches can use it for free. And it's awesome. Don't use a bunch of images because a lot of people have those turned off and too many images can get you in the junk folder. I mean, there's just all kinds of things like that. I have a, if you go to my blog, I have um, a checklist for email. If you'll just search for the email checklist on there okay. um, and it's, it's free. You just, all you got to do is sign up for my email list, but um, it, it goes through all these things that you can do for your email to make it better, to optimize it for opening and being read. Okay. But okay. yeah, I would send an email. I would send it once a week. Once a week. Yeah. Uh, why that instead of every two weeks or once a month? 
because consistency is important. And with parents who are reading it, you know, they kind of need to hear from you on a, on a regular basis because each week in their mind is a reset after Sunday. Yeah. And so when, when they, when they've gone, okay, school starts on Monday, what's happening? You know, they're, they're, they're back in square one, you know, they don't, they're ready to, to hear more info or, you know, they're planning their week out and they've got a different set of things going on. And so if you don't, email them and say, Hey, here's what's happening here. You won't get on the schedule. You know, you have to remind them of Wednesday night or your Thursday night small group or whatever you got going on, or, Hey, this weekend's the retreat. I need your money by Wednesday. You know, that kind of stuff. They need to know that because you're helping them plan the week out. Otherwise you're going to have a lot of frustrated parents. And honestly, we could help them with that. Man. So from that perspective, it seems like even earlier in the week is a good idea, like a Tuesday or something. Yeah, I, I used to like to send mine on on, uh, on Wednesday morning okay. because it's a trigger for okay. Here's all the things I need tonight, and so before the the kids leave the house, or at least kid, mom and dad drop them off and they end up at work and they're reading email before they really get started. They're seeing okay tonight. Oh yeah, that's right. I need this money. All right, let me make sure I got that. Uh, Tuesday night could be good because I had my Wednesday was our big thing. So if Wednesday, if Wednesday night's just a small thing for you guys, then maybe an end of the week email would work. Uh, like, Hey, this Sunday, bring your stuff, you know, like on a Friday or even a Saturday, send the email out. Uh, it really just depends on, again, why are you sending this email? What are you trying to do? It's if you're trying to point to the next thing, I would send it in a place where they're likely to read it at a time. They're likely to read it. And in a way that's like pointing to the next thing. So it helps them keep their calendar straight. Cause I mean, you guys know this, if you're listening to this podcast, parents are swarmed with activities. They're busy. Anything you can do to make their life easier in that realm, they will love you forever for it. And even, and especially if that's sending them an email with the, with just details that doesn't waste a lot of their time by being 500 miles long, mm-hmm. they will love you. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed I get way better interaction. Even, uh, I work for a nonprofit a little bit and, well, I uh, guess the church is a nonprofit, another nonprofit a little bit. And I notice <laughs> yeah. that if I send big comprehensive emails and include tons of details, nobody reads them. Right. Yeah. And, and you've got to be careful with that. Like I, I like to use the website as the host for all the details information. And then I use the email for the inspire. Here's what we need, but here's a link to get the rest. Yeah. Like here's why this is important for you. Click this link because, man, you're going to miss out. Click, and then you get all the details. And that way your email can stay short. Yeah, I I switched to a system like that. In fact, I might have learned that from you uh, recently, and it's been been super effective. It keeps the website updated so outsiders can find it more easily. And uh, it gives parents – it helps them get to the point more quickly. Yeah, because honestly, when I I pull an email up on my phone – I've got 15 other emails to check in, in addition to yours. Mm-hmm. So get to the point, let me know what I need to do and then leave me alone. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking, you know? And so we need to have that mentality, like help your parents out by being, and, and honestly, if you pull up, I had one parent once tell me this and I was like, this is horrible. Why would you do this? But now I totally get it. I used to send an email out every week and it was a parent newsletter and it was really long, but I had this huge banner at the top that had our logo and it's Dallas Bible students, big thing over, you know, and uh, I had one of our parents who was an elder tell me, I never read your email. And I was like, why? You know, because as soon as I see that thing pop up, I think that's from a mailing list and I don't need to see it. He's been conditioned that mailing list emails are not helpful. Okay. And so, so he's not even looking at my list. So 
here's the, oh man, I can't believe I haven't said this yet, but here's the biggest tactic for getting your emails read. Make it look as much like it's just you emailed them specifically and have to say something. Okay. It's from a friend. An email from a friend is read. An email from a, a list is ignored. And that is just the simple tactics of the day. That's just the way it is today. So you have to be kind of sneaky there. Man, okay. So, man, so putting images uh, in emails kind of at all. Like, even if you're using MailChimp or Constant Contact to give you these, these cool-looking emails, even in that case, like, get rid of those images, you think? Yeah, you can put them at the bottom. At the like, bottom. put a few at the bottom, one or two. You know, nothing big. Because, again, you got to think about size and... Um, in, in marketing, they have this thing called deliverability, whereas you're, you don't want your your address you're sending the email from to get flagged by Gmail or Yahoo or Outlook as a spammer. Oh. And because those that's a database. Every time every person who has Gmail bounces back to you or rejects your email or ends up in the promotions folder, Gmail will see that and go, okay, email from this person, that's obviously a spammer. Nobody really wants it. So let's start just putting it all in there. Okay. And it hurts your deliverability. Yeah, so yeah. You wanted, Two you know, thirds you of the parents I, I have use either Gmail or uh, or Hotmail or something. You know, they all use one of these two or really? three services. Hotmail still around, huh? I didn't know that. Uh, you know, now that I think about it, the people I know who use Hotmail are in Mexico. It's not my par- it's not parents. No. Hey, I've I've seen a couple. Now that you mention it, somebody the other day had Hotmail. Somebody had Rocket Mail the other day too. I was like, "Whoa, what is that? That's you got a Zanga site too, buddy." Yeah, uh, that's pretty awesome. Right? How's your MySpace? <laughs> yeah, MySpace, a Zanga. <laughs> oh, Tom, Tom, my best friend. Man, that's that. Okay, so that that gives us a lot to think about. Um, those are some. That's okay. Let me ask you this then before before I let you go. Can you give us uh, some of your favorite resources? Uh, whatever that means, blogs, software platforms, tip sheets, podcasts, Facebook groups. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the blogs and books, et cetera, that have really impacted my life, um, building a story brand by Donald Miller. And it's just a great framework for telling stories when you're marketing. It's a business book, but a lot of it applies if you can, if you can make the jump. It's the same Donald Miller of uh, blue like jazz and all that. Yes. He's not really writing like Christian books anymore. He's writing the business books okay. and he's amazing at it. Um, Pro Church Podcast, that's Brady Shear. I learned so much on that podcast. That that guy is ridiculous. Um, the Buffer Podcast. Buffer is a scheduling tool that you can use for like like Hootsuite where you, you can plan out your posts okay. and stuff ahead of time. Uh-huh. But uh, they posts. have a yeah, social media. They have a uh, what's called the Science of Social Media podcast. It's by Buffer, and it's amazing. So good, so helpful. I mean, if you really want to get good at social media fast, that's that's the one. I'd... And the Seminary of Hard Knocks. Obviously, I want you to listen to my podcast, the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast yeah. with Seth Muse. Go listen to that one. You'll learn some things. Yeah, you will. And it's it really is great, and it helps. Uh, you're pretty good at helping somebody learn the basics of an idea pretty quickly. Awesome. Well, I'm. Man, that's like the biggest compliment I could have ever gotten. I love that. Thank you. Uh, I also, the HubSpot marketing blog was really helpful with my email stuff. Um, I actually got certified. You can do little certifications through HubSpot. They're a marketing and sales kind of place. But I got certified with what's called inbound marketing. And that is like put out the the tip sheet and, you know, sign up for my list. And I'll give you this free thing. And then I can market to you and have automations, all this kind of crazy stuff 
that I don't use half of it, but I know how it works. So I got certified on that. And that's really what informs a lot of my email um, tips and things. Um, and then I would say just find some groups like the, the church communications group. I actually have a group around my podcast now, the Seminary of Hard Knocks group. And I'd love for you to join that. And we're discussing church communications and just answering questions. And any of those groups like church social media managers or uh, church communication strategies, uh, there's just a ton of them, a ton of groups out there. Just just type it into Facebook in the group section and start joining a conversation. And if you're not really on Facebook, let me tell you, you're missing out on a wealth of knowledge and information that's being passed around and a community that's really forming around communication directors that uh, talk about this kind of stuff all the time. And a lot of the people in the group, I don't believe there's 14,000 church communicators out there. I really don't. A lot of them are like some of you guys that are in youth ministry or executive pastors or worship leaders that also do social or also have to email or also have to brand, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so they're in there learning a lot from some smart, smart people from, from uh, some of the ones doing it well. Yeah. And so I would jump into one of those groups or a couple of those groups and just start asking questions. Yeah, I found with a lot of those groups that just having it in my feed and seeing conversations that pop up that I'm like, yes. I'm vaguely interested in. So I'll read about half of it. Just that over time makes me more sensitive to good questions and, and more helpful ways to think about things. Yeah, I think it's helpful to be in a community of people who are hungry to learn because that that teaches you how to learn. And I think a lot of us need to learn how to learn. Because if we don't learn how to learn, we'll eventually hit a ceiling and never grow. And then eventually feel like, oh, well, I guess I'm done here. And we'll start jumping from church to church and just doing the same you know, three-year program that we have in us over and over until we finally just get tired of doing that and move to something else. That's, what, that's the track I was on in youth ministry. I, I realized I wanted to go back to seminary. I thought that would be it. But I realized I need to be in communications. That's where I'm hungry. Hmm. You know? And so you find those, those people that can help you learn, help you grow, and keep that cycle from being so, you know, menacing and destructive in your life. Those are some great stuff. Um, let's see. Uh, favorite software platforms you want to recommend? Um, I'm a Mac guy. Okay. I record my podcast in GarageBand. Okay. Okay. You know, I just, uh, like, uh, pretty, do you prefer uh, Mailchimp versus Constant Contact? Uh, I've never, I've never really used Constant Contact. MailChimp's honestly one of the only things I've ever really used. I've seen ActiveCampaign, okay. which is kind of like an Infusionsoft, which is the most expensive thing on the planet oh. for email marketing. Okay. So ActiveCampaign is kind of like Infusionsoft, but it's a lot cheaper, more affordable. So it, it's, I mean, it's so technical. But honestly, MailChimp is so great. It's cheap uh, or free, and you can do automations and all kinds of great stuff. The templates are amazing. I would just rec- I can't recommend MailChimp enough. Okay. Um, what about social media? What are you using for uh, scheduling posts and stuff like that? If somebody wants to set up their social media on Monday and so that it's automated and they don't have to think about it again all week. Yeah, I um, I use Buffer, use Buffer for that pr- predominantly. But Hootsuite just allow. I mean, they just did a deal with Instagram where they can actually post to your Instagram now. Like nobody could do that except Grum, and Grum was is not free. Um, Hootsuite, I don't know if it's free for Hootsuite either, but Buffer is working on that, but they haven't released it yet. Okay. But I like Buffer because it's just easier to work for me. You might like Hootsuite. I don't know. Either one of those are great. I've used them both. Right. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll warn you, the the scheduling thing can develop some bad habits of not being in the moment and not responding because you've set it and forget it. You can't do that. Right. So if you're scheduling things, 
yes, schedule them, but make sure you're paying attention to the conversation that's happening because that's what uh, social media uh, platforms want now. They want you to have content that fosters conversations. And so if you're going to do that, you need to be part of that conversation. You can't just like let it post and be done. Okay. Now, you, now you can do that, but it's just not going to be as good as you know the conversational post. All right. Hey, uh, Seth, where can people find you on the internet? Well, you can find me all over the internet. Um, find me at sethmuse.com. That's my main website. I have a blog. You can uh, get a resource there. It's called 88 Ideas for Church Social Media Posts. And they're pretty conversational posts. Um, it's free if you sign up for my list because, again, certified inbound marketer. And and if you get on my email list, my email list is pretty fun. So I think you'll enjoy that. Find me at sethmuse.com. I host the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. And you can always catch me on Instagram at sethmuse. Okay. Uh, hey, and that was some really helpful stuff. Uh, thank you for your time. Hey, my pleasure. Seth gives us about four concrete principles. He reminds us to think through why we're doing certain things and not to get distracted with fancy toys. Or don't get overwhelmed by social media. Just think through why you're doing things, and that will help you keep track of the what that you need to do. Concretely, I often recommend people use MailChimp or maybe Constant Contact. They look great and they come with lots of great tools. But honestly, the most important reason to send out a weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly youth group email is to keep parents and youth informed about upcoming events, right? And the truth is, at its foundation, you can get most of that done with simple emails in your normal email program or maybe a Facebook group. The important thing is you need to communicate with parents about upcoming events. That's the why. The specific details about how to do that are just a means to an end. There's a dozen ways to do that well with advantages and disadvantages. But as you consider those options, remember that mostly you're just trying to accomplish the goal of keeping youth and parents informed about upcoming events. Sounds simple, right? But we move past that stuff. When I started at my current church, I considered how to keep in communication with my youth group. Um, I specifically wanted to tech, be able to text youth because they respond to text um, pretty quickly, a lot more quickly than they do to email, certainly. And so I considered using Remind or GroupMe for texting. Many youth groups find these programs very helpful. But I quickly realized that literally all of my youth had iPhones. Every single one had an iPhone. And since every single one had an iPhone, I just used iMessage and it worked instantly and got the job done. And that was okay because my goal wasn't to use a fancy program. It was to keep in touch with youth over text. In my last church, we had an active fa- <coughs> in my last church we had an active Facebook group for the youth group. When I came to this church, almost in my last church we had an active Facebook group for the youth group. And when I came to this church, almost none of the youth actively used Facebook, so creating a Facebook group wouldn't be helpful. Ultimately, I had to decide why and for what purposes I wanted to communicate with youth and then figure out uh, what would work for that at my church. Ultimately, I decided that youth were learning about basic events and registration from email or from their parents who were reading the email. And our youth group did a a fairly effective job at actually hearing from youth during one-on-ones and stuff. So all I needed from social media was to help youth connect to what we're talking about in youth group through the week. I wanted to use social media to beef up discipleship. And for that, Instagram was perfect, uh, especially since all my youth are already on Instagram. In fact, if you're interested, you can follow me on Instagram and see my attempts in that direction. It's not, uh, it's pretty erratic, but you can see what I'm trying to do. 
Um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So you see, it's unwise, though, to simply say we need a youth group Instagram account. Like, do you? Well, why do you need it? Maybe it's just a lot of work that will waste your time. So that's the question to ask. Why do I need to communicate? And what do I need to communicate? This episode on communication was the first episode in a series that we're doing here at Youth Ministry Small Church on the systems that youth groups need. Communication systems are one of the most foundational systems that almost every youth group needs in this uh, modern digital era. Simply talking to people face-to-face is inadequate for most of our needs. Uh, In upcoming episodes, we're going to look at other important systems that most youth groups need, and I hope those are helpful to you. Before we go, we're going to hear from Patricia Cogles. She's a youth director at uh, United Methodist Church in Thousand Oaks, California. We last spoke to her way back in episode two. Uh, Heads up, the audio quality on this is is pretty bad, so if it's difficult to listen to, I apologize. Uh, I'm trying to get to the bottom of what happened here. Uh, Here's Patricia. Uh, hey, everybody. I want to introduce you to Patricia Cogles, although I guess it's not really introducing since you were on an earlier episode. I think last time we spoke, Patricia, it was like a little over a month ago, probably. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. It's been a few few days, a few yeah. weeks. How, uh, how have you been doing? You were starting to tell me about uh, that a little bit offline. Um, I'm doing well. Uh, I feel like... Uh, God's been talking to me about taking a rest and balancing work and school um, and doing things in his timing and not mine because I like to plan ahead as much as possible. Like um, some people talk about like having a five year, 10 year plan. I don't have that one that's as long, but (laughs) maybe like two years or three years ahead. That's always kind of, um, I do a goal and I map out what it should look like and I try to stick with it, but I've always allowed some room to change. Uh, but I feel like last year I stuck too much to that and it was um, it was holding me back in a way. Um, so I got burned out a little bit and this year... Um, so since we talked, uh, my grandfather passed away. Oh, and sorry. yeah, thanks. And recovering from that, and just checking in with God, like, hey, um, I've been missing out on on your timing and on having conversations that that I would need to slow down for and enjoying life a little bit more. Like, not everything is about school, and not everything's about work. I mean, I love doing his work and I get to have a job that I absolutely love and see myself in long term and I love spending time with the youth and everything but I need to check in with God and see okay what are healthy boundaries that I can have in my life so that I don't get burned out so that I am resting that I am connecting with you God first because if I don't have that link set up first, then what am I even going to pour into my students? Mm-hmm. I have students freaking out about uh, school shootings, uh, about social justice, uh, 
about x y and z like you name it they just freaking out about life there's so much to think about and so much concerning that it can be a little bit overwhelming so definitely flipping that around where i go to god first and then uh have my time of being out there in the world and uh speaking life into my kids lives I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's something I am personally, like my personality doesn't lend me towards that uh, truth, but it's true all the same. And so lately I've been taking a lot of um, vacation and it's been really, really good for me. I think, and I think a lot of, um, a lot of youth workers, especially small church part-time because they're mm -hmm. mostly some part-time youth workers. I think that happens to almost all of us. Almost all of us are in a situation like, like, you and I are in sort of similar situations where we've got like three things going on. Yours might be worse because that includes graduate school. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, and it just wears you out and it's hard to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I started looking at my, I noticed that my last three time cards, I've worked every single day of the week. Yeah. And I was like, oh no, this is not good. Yeah. Not good at all no. because that's only with my time card at church. Uh, I'm a wife. I am a student. I am me, you know, like I am a daughter of God. Like what, like how am I distributing my time? Yeah. Um, and that's something that has had to change. Hey, you mentioned uh, uh, the school shootings and we haven't spoke spoken since Parkland and I think your church might have some interesting, uh, because you have this like, um, multicultural congregation, how have, uh, how have conversations about Parkland gone? Have you talked about that with your youth? Maybe I'm imposing this on you. Um, no, it's not imposing. We actually walked at the LA March. Okay. Um, and we got a really diverse crowd. Um, we, I think it was 15 of us walked. Okay. Um, adults included, I guess. And it was really important to them to be there. They, we actually had a ski trip planned for that day. Hmm. And they decided to change it because they had to be at this march. And we went there and we, we prepped the week before we talked about it. Like, hey, like, how are you guys feeling? And... I I came back with a sense of they're feeling so much that they don't know how to phrase it. Mm -hmm. The majority of them. Some of them they're clear. They're like, I this this is not gonna fly. I one of them was like, How is dress code more important, more regulated than this? Okay. And all these different point of views are really, really vocal about and others, they're just there, like, I know that something needs to be addressed, and I want to make sure it gets addressed, but I'm not really sure where I stand yet. So I, I have a little bit all over the spectrum. Okay. Have you noticed a uh, difference in the Latino parts of your youth group versus the Caucasian parts of the youth group? Yes. My Caucasian kids are the ones that are vocal about it. Oh, okay. 
Why do you, uh, do you have thoughts on why that is, or are you puzzled by it? I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. Okay. I fairly, I'm fairly new to these kids' lives. I know that my Anglo kids are really vocal about it because they've been given the platform to be vocal about things. Mm -hmm. And the other truth that I know from my group is that some of them have been involved in gangs uh, or have had family members uh, be involved in gangs. So they're coming out of this life where that that was their norm. The white kids? Um, The Caucasian uh, kids? No, my Hispanic kids. I'm sorry. Um. So now they're here, they're having a healthier life. They're here as in in youth group in church and walking a healthier life and thinking things through. So they're still trying to figure out what that means to themselves. And now I'm just trying to help them ask questions. Okay. Is that the approach you've taken? Just help them ask questions and... Yeah, and fa- and research the information together because I think I don't have the answers to this quite yet either. So I'm taking a yes and approach. Okay. Uh, like improv, like you just take the information and then you add something or challenge it. Um, I'm also taking the both and approach as in okay, yes, that might be true for you, but have you consider this other thing? Or um, how can we balance these two things that are true? Because we were discussing um, walk out versus walk up. Oh, right, right. And so we discussed the importance of doing both. They're both important. The what might be the difference in opinion and where tensions might rise is thinking that we can substitute one for the other. Okay. I think both are important. And the consensus around the room was that, yes, that's true. Um, We need to walk up to students and make sure that at least our friends are okay in a genuine manner. Mm -hmm. And at least our classmates that, we talked about the importance of maybe not fully in investing in some stranger's lives, but at least extending them a smile. Uh, we talked about um, needing to walk out because a change uh, needs to be made culturally and politically and one of the ways that we do this is by protesting and we also talked about call like calling our congress people and all those things of so we we came to the consensus of we need to be kind to others but we also need to be vocal and make sure that rules and politics are in place so that we can have a healthy community life. Okay. Uh, when I think about your congregation, I'm sort of judging it by where it's located. 
And I, mm-hmm. my assumption is that the Caucasian kids are much like your city, upper middle class or upper class. And then, and then the Latino kids are probably much more diverse. Is that it's pretty accurate? Yes. Okay. And then has that, do you think that's played an impact on, uh, has that impacted these conversations? Oh, absolutely. They, they all come from different backgrounds, so they're all going to have different worldviews. So any, anywhere that we go, um, we'll find those type of things, influences. Have they noticed in these conversations about school shootings, have they noticed um, the impact that their different contexts and different backgrounds have on their responses? I mean, have the Caucasian kids, for example, noticed they live in a wealthy area where they're pretty protected, relatively speaking, and uh, and that everyone in the room doesn't necessarily have those benefits. Oh, I think I think they're aware of it. Yes. Yeah. Hope well, so. <laughs> let, um, let me ask you about some other stuff that you talked about last time we talked. Uh, you had a visioning meeting. Um, I think the weekend after we we spoke last. Do you remember that meeting? I do. Been about a month. Oh, wow. That's a face. How did how did it go? It was awful. <laughs> was it really? Okay, no. Um, it was just all over the place. Okay. All the feels and all different opinions, which I get it. We're Methodist. Right. That's it's bound to happen anywhere. Um yeah. it, I was just Really impressed with how vocal certain people were about their f- perceptions of their church and their feelings of this community. Okay. It was it was a long meeting. Okay. Of, I, th- I feel like everybody was pulling their own direction in that meeting, and that's why I make the face that I make. Okay. How did... So, uh, how did you... Um, respond to that did you have a follow-up meeting or have you talked to people since then or follow-up meeting is still being scheduled okay i did have to have a follow-up meeting with a few people who were particularly interested in what the youth were doing okay uh, or concerned in what they were not doing okay and so I held a special meeting for that to clear things, certain things up. Um, so I'm not sure if I mentioned this last time, but uh, our church has a messy church service. Yeah, you said and that. Hey, will you define messy church for people? That's a particularly meth- Methodist thing, I think. It, it is. Uh, messy church is like a come as you are. There's noise. There's sounds. Let's do arts and crafts. Let's have community together let's read scripture it's very low-key service Mm -hmm. uh, very chill okay so you have that at your church yes and our primarily uh spanish speakers are the one who come to the service and most of my youth kids that are hispanics come initially from either a messy church or another program that we have uh, called study buddies. And so because messy church is once a month 
it's hard for certain members of the congregation to account for those who attend our messy service as church members. Okay. Um, it's just a hard concept to visualize because it's once a month. Right, right. Um, it's not the once I, a week thing that we're right, used to. Right, right. It's different. I get it. And so some of our older members were concerned of uh, why are we counting these youths as members or of our community if they're just here once a month? And we had to have a meeting with them. Like, you're not here once a month. They're here every Thursday. And every time I need something to be volunteered for or to get done at church or to get created at church or you guys ask for a youth to come in and do X, Y, or Z, they're the ones showing up. So I count them as members. Because they're there. They're present. They're excited about coming to church. They're excited about spending time with our community. And so we, uh, it was one of those meetings where here's statistics. Okay. Um, and thank God for my team, team members who are a genius, who is a genius with numbers because that is not my strong suit. Okay. Are you, are you guys tracking attendance in your youth? Yes. Group? You know, who shows yes. up? How oh, do you do yes. that? Um, I have a wonderful male leader okay. that loves numbers. All right. And he has an Excel sheet that takes okay. care of it. And he does it And online. every week um, that we have a roll call for Thursday service and for Sunday Bible school, and it gets updated. Okay. Okay. Uh, so how, how do you feel about uh, things going forward? Like what, uh, I don't know. I said the question. How do you feel about things going forward? <laughs> <laughs> I feel fine. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, for you mean for our visioning meeting or for in general? Um, I, maybe either one. I'm not sure. Yeah, I I'm hopeful that our community is going to come up with this stronger than ever, okay. and with a vision that asks the question of, "Hey, God, what do you want for our community, and not what we want as." human beings for this community because those are completely different we're just buckling in for the ride i guess <laughs> hey let me uh, change topics we this episode that your interview will come out on is mm -hmm. um revolves around uh communication and like email or however you communicate with your families um how do you guys communicate with parents and youth in your church we communicate through email through Facebook, okay. through phone calls and texts, and through the news, like a little uh, flyer inside the bulletin on okay. Sundays. Okay. And it's all of them all the time. Yes. Because you never know who's responding to what. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to figure out how to narrow those down a little bit. Okay. Just because, because it's so much work. Yes. And the emails, it's like three different ones. So it's one for you, and then it's one for the church. And okay. then if you want to email them directly, then you do a separate one. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we should work smarter, not harder. Uh -huh. And just make an announcement of, here's our primary method of communication. Please get on board. 
Yeah. If you're interested on keeping up with the youth uh-huh. and just training our congregation to follow up with that. Okay. Um, so that's where we're at. Yeah. I think it, it can be really overwhelming how much time that stuff takes. Yeah. And, and keeping track of people like who, who have I told, mm-hmm. who have I not told? Like, did, did we, did we communicate to everybody that, that we miss somebody in this email blast? It's just. All right, Patricia, what can we be praying for you about in the next uh, month or so? I'm taking my preaching class this quarter and I've never truly preached before my church before. Okay. okay. Um, I mean, in a big setting like that, I, I can, I talk to kids and youth all the time, but not the whole congregation. Yeah. And I don't know why, but that makes me a little bit more nervous. Okay. And so just peace and grace that I, I don't know that God speaks through me and not me to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We can do that. Thank you. All right. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you in about a month. See you later. Okay. Thanks, Patricia. All right, everybody. Thanks for your patience with that. I want to remind everybody to join our Facebook group. Uh, I think it's turning into a pretty helpful community. The sort of place where you can go with uh, questions and things you're trying to sort out and ask other people what they think. Uh, it's been it's been pretty helpful. I want to remind you that this is the first episode in our series on systems that you need in your youth group that most of us need in our youth groups. And I uh, hope to see you next week when we talk about the next system. All right. See you next week. Thank you.